initially, they only were letting someone out that was 70 years of age or older that suffered from high blood pressure, um, asthma, breathing disorders, COPD, right. things of that nature, and you had to be qualified by age. If you weren't 70 or years or older, you weren't getting out. Oh, wow. Yeah. And then the uh, they modified the terms of relief. They decided... They they came back and said, okay, the CDC says if you're suffering from any of these type of illnesses, that you're at high risk to get it. That's what I got. Okay. And so then there was no age cap. No, no age cap. If you had these illnesses and you have somewhere to go that they can physically see, then they then they started releasing people to their homes. Well, the problem with that is a lot of people have nowhere to go. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of Meeting the Shoe. I'm Danina. And I'm Shade. And I'm April. And today we will have a guest that's talking to us about the um, coronavirus in prison and what they had to go through <laughs> uh, according to rules and regulations in the system. So, April, you want to... I think the, uh, the system she was in, federal system. Yeah, you want to give us a description, April, about where you were and um, the steps you had to take to get out. Okay. Um, I was in a federal prison in Phoenix, Arizona. It was a prison camp, very small camp, no more than 200 people. Um, they completely isolated us from the world. We weren't able to make phone calls. We weren't able to leave our cells. Um, we weren't able to move, period. For 60 days, we were isolated to just our cells. They fed us peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. Oh, my God. Wow. For every single meal. Um Rapidly, you know, culturally, there's Mexicans, there's black, there's maybe 20 black people on the whole compound, and there are, um, it's predominantly Hispanic and native, and they weren't paying attention to the CDC regulations, so they were still socialized. Wow. So rapidly, everybody started getting this. Okay. One by one. So we had, in my one building, we had like 23 cases in one building because they couldn't prevent us from getting it. And then the water um, tested for fecal matter while I was there. Oh. I put a notice up on the board that I actually sent to my attorney. I snatched it off the board mm-hmm. because they um, didn't have staff to monitor the water supply. So it became quite dangerous living you know, physically. Right. Um, I actually literally stayed inside my room. I didn't move. I took a shower and I, I got still. I kept plastic bottles of bleach and I cleaned my walls and my floors and the doors to keep from contracting this illness. But at some point, I saw that if I didn't get out, I was in fact going to get sick. Right. Uh, I suffered from high blood pressure and asthma. Okay. And um, they weren't doing enough to keep us from contracting this illness. And as far as staff was concerned, as far as I'm concerned, they brought it to us. Right. Yeah, literally. Okay, so question. Now, when um when it first hit, 
right? What did they give you guys to uh, make sure that you didn't um, contract anything? That you know, what did what did what did they give you? Cleaning supplies, um, hand sanitizer, masks. Like, did they give you those type of things? Prior to this happening, we didn't have it was very minimal cleaning supplies. Uh-huh. Once COVID nineteen hit, they gave us uh, bottles of bleach. They passed out masks for us. They told us to social distance. They closed the TV rooms. You know, they took some precaution, uh-huh. but the problem wasn't with us. Okay. no one in prison had it. Right. The problem was with them. Okay. Uh-huh. And so, okay, no one, no one in prison had it, but um, they were going home every day. They were going home to their families. And they were interacting. It was a, it's a federal penitentiary next to the prison camp. And so they were taking guards from out. This is where the problem came from. They were taking guards that were in the penitentiary and exchanging them with, you know, they do they sit, they do their time over in the camp. So they basically were putting us at risk. Right. Interacting with the men. Oh wow! So wait, so wait. Did they ever say, okay, at some point you need air circulation though, because you stayed in your room? Did they allow you to be transported outside to the air, or did they say, no, you got to stay in your cell? At one point, the the building became there was like twenty five people in the whole building. Uh-huh. This was a building that housed like two hundred people. Right. Everybody had contracted it, so okay. they. They, they moved the people that had contracted it into another building, emptied out that building, and put everybody in another building, uh-huh. and they allowed us to come out in increments of 20. Okay. I mean, you know, that small group, we could come out for one hour and walk. And as the numbers raised, they had to stop. So okay. they may have went on for two weeks, maybe, before we were completely cut off from, from the community again. Okay. This went on from... February to I left in September. They were still going. What? So what? Huh? What'd you say, Shana? What? Um, they, they weren't taking the precautionary measures. Like I said, it's not so much us as it is them. They did the interaction with them. Right. How does a qualified to even get out early? How much time would they let a person out? on an early release due to COVID. I'm sorry? How um, far the person's sentence has to be or if they should start getting out. I mean, what you have to, what kind of uh, medical conditions you have to have to be qualified to What were the rules? What were the rules of the qualifications to get out of prison for COVID? Like, what did you have? What codes did you have to go by? Initially, they only were letting someone out that was 70 years of age or older that suffered from high blood pressure, um, asthma, breathing disorders, CO blood, things of that nature, and you had to be qualified by age. If you weren't 70 or years or older, you weren't getting out. Oh, wow. Yeah. And then the uh, they modified the terms of relief. They decided... They, t- they came back and said, okay, the CDC says if you're suffering from any of these type of illnesses, that you're at high risk to get it. And that's what I got. Okay. 
And so then there was no age cap. No, no age cap. If you have these illnesses and you have somewhere to go that they can physically see, then they then they started releasing people to their homes. Well, the problem with, with that is a lot of people have nowhere to go. Right. Oh yeah. So they weren't even released. They weren't releasing you if you qualify to the halfway house. Even even you had to just leave and go straight home. Right. You had to have a physical place right. to go. Right. If I had nowhere to go, I'd still be sitting in prison. Oh wow. Okay. Wow. Does the crime does the crime matter on leaving? If it's a violent, non-violent crime, would they let them still out or they create They created this new system that qualified you. It's this new step system that they used that said that if you had you're not gonna qualify if you have a violent crime. Right. You know, you're not going to qualify. Either if you're child molester, you're not qualified. You, you have to be within a certain criteria to even qualify. And it was very hard. I was denied initially. Okay. So tell us how did you get yourself qualified? What the steps and what was the things that you did and the paperwork you put together to get yourself out? Well, I went through their administrative processes and I filed a BPA, a BP9, a BP10, a BP11, and, and, and that's the end of the road. And then you can take it to the court because that's the authority of the BLB, the court. Okay. Right. Because I said that I, the CDC kept changing the rules. Right. And so I like, all I need is the judge to see that I qualified with one of these illnesses and I possibly I could get out that way. And that's exactly that. Okay. And so how long did that process take? How, how long did you have to wait from the first time you put in your paperwork in until you got your, did you get immediate release? Okay, and so explain to the viewers what's that that's like, like from the beginning to the end. And this is in federal prison. This is anybody anybody that's doing federal time. Well, nothing happens fast. It's behind the wall. So you right. submit paperwork and you have to wait for an answer. That could be anywhere from one to 20 days right. before the spot. Okay. COVID-19, you don't even have any staff around. So it took me from April to here, to September, to even get through my process. Okay. Okay. And so when they told you the first time that they told you you were denied, they still giving you options for you to continue to plead your case to get released, right? They they don't give you the option to BOP. They they put in writing that you can deny by the Bureau of Prisons. Now what you do with okay. denial is something that you have to be knowledgeable about. Okay. You have to know that there is an authority over the Bureau of Prisons. Okay. So, okay. Um, I just happen to be incarcerated so long that I know their processes, and so I know they didn't have the final say. So. Mm-hmm. Right. Okay. And so when, okay, another thing. So when you were released, right, did you report, um, you went straight home to your home and then they came and what was the process after that? Or did you have to go like to one of the halfway houses or anything to check in? Like, how did that go? Did your family, oh, also, did your family have to pay for your um, air flight or bus ticket or whatever? How did that go? No, the Bureau of Prisons was kind enough to place me on a plane. Okay. Paperwork, you have to wait for an answer. That could be anywhere from one to 20 days. Right. Before the spot. 
Okay. COVID-19, you don't even have any staff around. So it took me from April to here, to September, to even get through my process. Okay. Okay. And so when they told you the first time that they told you you were denied, they still giving you options for you to continue to plead your case to get released, right? They they don't give you the option to BOP. They they put in writing that you can denied by the Bureau of Prisons. Now what you do okay. with denial is something that you have to be knowledgeable about. Okay. You have to know that there is an authority over the Bureau of Prisons. Okay. okay. I don't know that. So, okay. Uh, I just happen to be incarcerated so long that I know their processes, and so I know they didn't have the final say so. Mm-hmm. Right. Okay. And so when, okay, another thing. So when you were released, right, did you report, um, you went straight home to your home and then they came and what was the process after that? Or did you have to go like to one of the halfway houses or anything to check in? Like, how did that go? Did your family, oh, also, did your family have to pay for your um, air flight or bus ticket or whatever? How did that go? No, the Bureau of Prisons was kind enough to place me on a plane. Okay. The was open. Uh-huh. And I, I, I left out, I was processed rather fast because immediate release, they owe you money at some point if they don't get you immediately off the campground. Right. the judge signs the order they act. Right. They pay you for that day. Right. That you sit there. Right. So they immediately place me in a cab. Mm. I could barely even change my clothes. They place me in a cab. <laughs> and the cab They got me at the airport. <laughs> okay. And I was in route to Michigan. Um, during the course of that day, I took two. I had one. Um, play, uh, one. Uh, what do you call it? You switch plane. I had one. Oh, connecting flight. Car. Yeah. Yeah. Was, did you even have time to call your family? I didn't call them until I was almost in Denver. Like, okay. Right. So wait, they knew though. They knew the process of what you were going through, though, right? They knew you were trying to get out of there. It's really funny because I've been telling people this for a long time, and you can tell people something they can believe. Right. <laughs> I'm telling you, I'm getting up. I'm, I'm making moves to get up, but nobody, you know, like, don't take like that. <laughs> they don't know that I actually had made a serious move to get out. Right. Until they actually made a phone call to make sure that I could come here. Right, right. So how much time did you have left for your sentence? Five years. Oh, gosh, and praise God. Yes, oh God. yes, you got up out of there. That's right. That's right. And I recently I know.
whatever agency you're being housed under, you don't have to let you go once you contract it. Okay. You understand? You're, you're, you're only safe that you don't have anything. Right. <laughs> From the process of being free. That's, you know, once you contract it, our bets are kind of off. I always tell people, make sure you stay to yourself while you got this paperwork pending. This the, way, the worst thing that you can happen, and an attorney told me the same thing, is to contract it while you got paperwork. Right. So, so, so I have a question. So, you still have five years left to do in the BOP? Yes. And then when you got out, you would have had what? Probation? Five years probation. Okay, but due to COVID, you don't have that, that, that is wiped off now, right? No, and I'm working on that too because when I asked for the judge to modify my sentence, uh-huh. I only asked to be released because I was thinking about right. probation. Right. My, my blessing, my, my wishes were real simple. Just let me get out of here alive. Right. So at this point, now I have to go back and ask her to modify my, my probation because, yes, I got out five years early, but probation doesn't start until I'm off. Uh, right. My mind started. Yeah. So, 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 I'm confused a little bit. Okay. When do you go on probation? I don't go on probation until I'm released from monitored um, movement, which is in February of 2021. Okay. And then on monitor after your while you're on monitor after you're off a of monitor movement, right? Then you're on probation. Yes. So you're on probation for five years. According to them, right? Okay. And then during that five years, say COVID goes down or it's not gonna go away. They already said for you're 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 basically you might be safe because they're saying from anywhere from two to four years is not gonna be gone. Right? So they're not gonna return you back. So according to someone, speaking to someone that is in the process of getting their family out or people that's just jumping out here like, oh, I'm going to get out or I'm out. I'm just free. What are your suggestions to them, especially once you once you just described that you just tried to get you were your your focus was to get home alive. You weren't thinking about the modification of your complete sentence because some people think, oh, I'm out. I'm out. I don't have to go back. But some people know that they actually have to go back. No, the threat is still there. And you can believe, best believe, you know, they, they make themselves, they make themselves, the probation department makes themselves uh, visible to me on a regular basis, verbally, not so much physically, but verbally. And my suggestion to anyone that gets out early due to COVID is to come out and do exactly what you need to do for your life. Right. Get you a job, stay focused, uh, go to church or whatever yeah. you believe in. Right. Get still because the, uh, the same thing, I go to work every day and I work with, with, with the public, but I'm not in their face. Right, right. You know, and right. I know how to maneuver and stay away. I, I do the six feet thing and I wash my hands all day. I come home and I take, I strip down. I take it very serious because I've seen people get sick and I've, and I've talked to them. And the one lady told me it was like breathing glass. Whoa. She said, that's how it feels in your chest. Oh, oh my God. God. 
yeah, I can't even imagine something like that. So I don't want to find out the hard way. And that was, and hold on, um, describe to the viewers how that was in there where you witnessing the people in there on a mild case and a high intense case of them having COVID. How how can you describe that outside of the woman that said she was like breathing ga- uh, glass, excuse me? A lot of people didn't take it serious. They really, 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 what I seen in prison weren't anything, is people didn't really believe they could get it. I mean, nobody wow. really wants to believe it. So they sat around and held powwows and groups and, and, and the group ended up with it. Oh no. Yeah, it was bad. It was so bad. And and then you guys just we got to the point where we could we could visually see when you got symptoms. I could hear it when we walked by you sweat. So we started telling, unfortunately, the the, the staff, like, I think they're sick and they don't want to tell you. Right. Right. They don't want to tell. But you gotta make things you don't want to tell. Right. You, you know what? The scary <laughs> part about this is like uh, you know, when you go to prison, you lose all your rights. Right. So when this uh, uh, vaccination come out, I'm wondering, will they push this vaccination off on the inmates that's in prison just right. to make them take it? You know what I mean? So it's kind of like a scary thing. You know, something new, you got to take a vaccination, you don't know if you want it or not. Some right. Some people want it, some people don't. I don't. Prison, I don't. I don't. I agree. With, I agree with you because they tested us, and I and this is literally. I have been tested at least fifteen to twenty times Woo! for COVID nineteen in prison. Now you know how awful that test is. <laughs> Up <laughs> your nose! Oh my god! Oh. So each time somebody got it, I had to be tested. Each, oh my god! Oh, it was horrible. It was just horrible. And so is it true? Is it true? Because they have different tests now. Now it's just um, a little swab like around your nose, like in the front, and or you spit, right? They got better with it, right? So... No, I'm saying now that's how they do it out here. Because before it was just like how you were getting it way up your nose. Yeah, and you bleeding and all. It was horrible. It was bad. And so when they when they did that, was it really like it went way back there? Look at me. I'm pointing. <laughs> it was Did you like? Did it mess with your eyes? You know, I'm just thinking of your ear, nose, and your sinuses. You messed up for a minute. Your sinus cavity is all the way up in your forehead. No. Because before it was just like how you were getting it way up your nose. Yeah, and you bleeding and all. It was horrible. It was bad. And so when they when they did that, was it really like it went way back there? Look at me. I'm pointing. <laughs> it was yeah, a... <laughs> yeah. Well, your sticking a stick this wall. Oh, my God. No. Oh, my God. And were they forcing it? Like, did you, like, did it mess with your eyes? You know, I'm just thinking of your ear, nose, and... Your sinus cavity is all the way up in your forehead. No. <laughs> yeah, it was deep. It was. 
only wish. Make sure I'm around to do something for them in their lives before they leave this life. Right. Yeah. To go to the second line. So, but I, I work with younger people, and they tend to be very disrespectful these days. <laughs> okay. <laughs> this little boy told me, "I'm not gonna argue with you." Whoa. Hey, what? I said, "You sure are right. You're not gonna argue with me, but I have someone that's just so speed that'll be here in a minute, and I'll be sure to send my son to you." Right. <laughs> that's, that's what he Right he been so nice since I told him. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> I to pop off on him. I have to really remember. I can't say what I want to say sometimes still because I got this thing on my leg. Right, right, right. <laughs> I don't want to go to jail. I don't want to be, you know, I can't be in certain positions. So right. I have to modify myself still. Now, when he come home, so there. <laughs> so, right. so wait, wait, yeah. so wait. So you've been having to hold yourself with these youngsters, huh? Because they don't have no respect. You are so right. No, and they don't have a clue. I will put my hands and my feet on all of them. Right. <laughs> even taking the um this serious as well like they they think that it's a joke and i think it's because most of the people that's their age between 18 and 35 they recover especially now due due to the covid cases that's coming along now it's high intense and they're um right now they're putting restrictions on each state again but most of the people between the ages of 18 and 35, they're recovering from it. So they're thinking it's just a cough, a sneeze. Oh, I'm going to take some airborne and I'm good. Honestly, honestly, I would go even further. I would go as far as to say that most people have contracted it and their body has just fought it off. Yep. Yep. I think so, too. Yeah. I think so, too. Yeah. I think so. Right. 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 There are mild cases and then there are extreme cases and that the elder people are the ones that can't the elderly and that's suffering. Right. 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 And that's so sad. That is so, so sad because, you know, the young people think that the young people think that, um, you know, it's a joke. You know what I'm saying? They, they look at it as, oh, uh, I'm not going to catch it. If I do so, what? I'll get over it. You know, they ain't right. caring about their elders at all. They don't right. care about that. What I saw with this illness is that it affects people in different ways. This one lady, she can't breathe normally. Like, she has a... She, oh, wow. Uh, she's never going to breathe normally. Wow. She's never damaged. Due to the COVID, so everybody doesn't heal the same way from it, I don't know. Right. And a lot of people feel like um, the ones that I know that have it, their uh, sense of smell 
and their tongue isn't the same, right? They can't smell or taste the same. They can taste a little bit. Some of that's coming back and the body aches. I heard that the body aches are horrible. So, I mean, it's still here, you know, pretty live. You know what I mean? It's still going on. But I think that the difference, because they were talking about that on the news today when I was doing a little, trying to do a little bit of research on it now, that um, even the one, even the doctors want to be vaccinated, right? You know how everybody's saying, oh, don't take that, don't take that um, vaccination. That's the um, antichrist, right? But all the doctors are saying that they want to take it because they know what's in it. April has explained to you guys how COVID-19 has just devastated the um, federal system. Um, She was in the correctional facility of women and she uh, fought to even get out of prison by filing paperwork to get out and kudos to her. I'm so happy for her. Thank you, Lord, that a lot, some of the women that have underlying um, lining um, conditions are able to get out of prison due to this COVID-19 because it's no joke. So as you may know, I'm going to talk about the Minnesota state prisons. We have uh, 11 men facilities, nine of the, the 11 facilities, nine of them have been hit with COVID-19. So in uh, Stillwater uh, Correctional Facility is the, the one with the highest numbers from what I see, 600 plus has tested positive for COVID-19. And how they're dealing with that is to um, either put the guys in segregation that are sick or um, single bunk them. Mind you, um, Stillwater is a double bunk facility or sometimes triple bunk facility from what I'm hearing, but it's not a good sight. Um, hearing is the conditions are not w- good for them. Um, as far as feeding them food, it, it was terrible. So I'm hoping they um, find better uh, solutions to take care of those men in that facility or uh, any other facility for that matter. But as I go into um, the one and only women's correctional facility here in Minnesota is MCF Shakopee Correctional Facilities. We had a couple women in there sick, you know, and um, they're trying to deal with it the best way they can. As you may know, all the staff, the staff is bringing the virus in to those inmates in the prison systems. So what I'm wondering, I'm, I'm like, I, it's, it's it's just sad that, you know, you ha- you know, you have to go through so much being in prison and you have to file all this paperwork to even try and get out early. So it's, it's a conditional medical release that uh, you can apply for. And it's, it's a, 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 ni- a nice amount of paperwork. But if you are if you have any underlying um, conditions, asthma, heart uh, problems, uh, diabetes, anything like that, please apply, take your time, ask somebody to help you apply to try and get an early release because I'm in the women's facility, about 36 inmates at Shakopee have been approved for a conditional medical release out of 234 women that applied. 
So it's taking their, they're taking their time, but they're trying to get them out as soon as they can. And it depends on your crime, your severity level, um, what you know, what and how much time you have left. Some women has gotten out with five years, up to five years, from what I'm seeing in paperwork that that's allowing them to get out. Um, 32 inmates was approved for um, conditional work release. So they got work release earlier earlier than um, expected. Usually when you apply for work release, you only get eight months, maybe six months early to get out and work and transition into society. Thank you.